0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: In their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage, but You are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them, even when they made a molten calf for themselves and said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations, yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in in the wilderness, The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You also gave your, I love this, underline it, circle it, highlight it, remember it. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth. Notice it was his manner. Huh? Did you get that? Then I withhold your manner from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes didn't even wear out and their feet didn't even swell. Look at God. Now you're talking about a faithful God when your feet don't swell. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where my people at? <laughs> all them, all the pregnant mommies are like, hey, man. But those no, swollen feet. God is faithful. That's the point here. And he's patient, and he's forgiving. God has done great and awesome things for them, but they acted proudly. Did you get that? And as you read through the chapter, you'll notice words like, but, yet, moreover, nevertheless, therefore... But yet moreover, nevertheless, therefore, over and over and over again. But yet moreover, nevertheless, therefore, verse 16, but the people acted proudly. They hardened their necks. They did not listen to God's commandments. It's amazing that God would give them supernatural provision on a daily basis because God was gracious to them over and over and over again. Yet, but they became hard-hearted and took God's grace for granted and they refused to obey or recognize the awesome miracles of God in verse 17. And they took the grace of God and the provision of God for granted. And people do that all the time today, don't they? They take God's provision. They take things for granted until it's gone. People do it with loved ones, don't they? I've attended two funerals in the last two weeks. And if there's one thing I've heard is from many, many people, I should have. I wish I had. If only I had done. If only I could. Listen, love people while they're here on earth. Do not, listen, wait a minute. Do not wait until they are dead to show your love for them because then it's too late. They're not going to receive it. They're, they're dead. They're gone. They're in the presence of the Lord. Love people now. So somebody once said, give them their flowers now so that when they're gone, you're not saying, if only I had, if only I should have, if only I could have. You don't have all those regrets because I can tell you that sword runs deep. When you live with those regrets, you're left to live with that. That's why in my life, I don't want to do nobody wrong, not intentionally, not consciously. And if I do, I'm coming to ask for forgiveness. And if you don't forgive me, that's on you. But I need to get my conscience right before God because I want to stand clear and whole and pure knowing that I have done what God has called me to do. Not that I have been perfect, but I've done what God has called me to do. So my conscience is clear and I can love you while you're here, because when you're gone, you're gone. And I don't want to live with that regret. And we've got to be those kind of people who love people when God has them in our lives so that we don't live with regrets. We don't look back and think, you know, if only I had done this, or take the, 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 the grace of God, the provision of God, and the love of God for granted. People do it all the time. Israel took God's blessings for granted. They murmured and they complained, oh, manna again. They would say, God could at least give us a different flavor of manna. Wah, wah, wah. Even Baskin-Robbins got 31 flavors. I mean, goodness gracious, couldn't we get different flavors of manna? Miracle after miracle, provision after provision, yet they doubted God. After seeing all that God did, how could they lack faith? How could they even think to want to go back to Egypt? Verse 17 tells us they weren't even mindful of the miracles and the wonders. Verse 17, please look at it. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abundant or of great kindness. He did not forsake them. Now keep in mind, This is Moses talking about the greatness and the goodness of God. Remember, Moses was raised with the best this world had to offer. He was raised in privilege as the prince of Egypt, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was Pharaoh's grandson, raised with the best food, the best university, the most beautiful women, the pleasures of this world and power and the wealth of this world. The Pharaohs were famous for their breweries. In Egypt, did you know that? They drank warm beer. They didn't have ice, but they drank warm beer. Moses was the commander-in-chief of the Egyptian armed forces. He had everything at his disposal, and yet God had a different plan for Moses. As he spent 40 years in the desert, that's a long time. Think about it. 40 years ago, we had no concept of Mac. Forty years ago, no concept of smartphones. Forty years ago, the U.S. was still involved in the Vietnam War. Forty years is a long time. And Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. And it was during those 40 years that God was working on the outside and on the inside. On the outside, teaching Moses how to live in the desert because when he came out, he was going to lead the children of Israel through the wilderness for another 40 years. And on the inside, during those 40 years, God was teaching Moses how to be a pastor and how to be humble and yet strong and trust God because Moses is going to be the pastor of the largest church in the world. Two, three million people. I love it when I hear pastors, they do it all the time hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how many people? You never always never fails. I always wait, 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 because I know you want to ask. I never say anything. I just stand there and they go, yeah, so um, how many people are going to your church? Or they'll say something like, how many are you running? I hate it when they say that. I'm not running anything. That sounds so... Uh, Cattle, good word, herding. Yeah, but I don't like that. That just sounds, how many you running? I'm not running. I'm ministering to God's people. I'm not running anything, anybody. Just creepy. How many, you know, Moses had the biggest church in the world. Two, three million people. Man, think of children's church. My goodness. That's what comes to my mind. Moses went from being the prince of Egypt and a revolutionary with a dream to a nobody. He lost the pleasures of this world. He gained a deep, intimate relationship with God. He spent 80 days on the mountain with God, and God sustained them without food. He saw the holy tabernacle in heaven that was a pattern of the earthly tabernacle. He saw the wonders of God, the deliverance of God, the glory of God. He experienced the patience and the forgiveness of God. And in verse 18, when they made a molten calf and they said this is your god verse 19 yet in god's manifold mercies look at verse 19 not at me look at verse 19 yet in god's manifold mercies god did not forsake them verse 20 god gave them his good spirit somebody say it with me good spirit to instruct them that's beautiful in verse 21 and they lacked nothing their clothes didn't get old and their feet didn't swell they buy one pair of jeans. They lasted for 40 years. That's great. Of course, if you do that today and you keep those jeans long enough, they come back because the styles just come back around. If you got bell bottoms, I think by next year, yeah, after bell bottoms will be back in. That's just how it works. For 40 years, their feet didn't even swell. I love that. I always just kind of think in my mind, when, what did they do when they were a baby? And, you know, you, you get the little knitted baby shoes, like, crochet, knit, knitted baby shoes, and you put those on. And well, I mean, I just wondered, like, what happened? Did they get older and those little baby shoes just kept getting bigger and bigger? <laughs> so you're like 40 years old with them little baby shoes on your feet. <laughs> you're like 40 years old wearing those baby booties. It's like, your shoes didn't wear out. Verse 6, <laughs> praise God for the victories he has brought us in verse 22, moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts. So they took possession of the land of Sihon, the land of Og, king of Bashan. You should underline that. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess So the people went in and possessed the land you subdued before them, the inhabitants of the land. Who are they? The Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they wished. And they took strong cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of all goods and possessed houses full of all goods, cisterns already dug. This is a great thing. Vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat. Victories he brought us. He gave him kingdoms. They took possession of Sihon and he, the king of hespan and the land of Og, the king of Bashan. Now listen, Og was the king of Bashan and history tells us that he was about 13 feet tall. He was part of the 60 cities of the giants in the land of Bashan. Deuteronomy chapter 3, you can read it in your own time. It talks about the cities, the 60 cities of Bashan. There's a book. It's really a hard read, but I'll tell you about it. There's a book called The Great Cities of Bashan. On the map today, it's Syria and northern Lebanon. Archaeologists have discovered in those areas 18-foot doors, 6-foot Hinges. They were so well crafted you could swing a stone door with your finger. And God gave them victory over Bashan. Bashan is mentioned several times in scripture Psalm 68, Psalm 22, Psalm 136. Verse 24 tells us God gave them victory to possess the land of the Canaanites that they might do with them as they would or destroy them. The Canaanites were evil, wicked people, perverse. Whole Canaanite villages were killed due to venereal diseases. They were, they were in the bestiality and sacrificing tens of thousands of children. And God waited until they were so perverted and so perverse that, he, that, that, that it would be an infection to any other people to allow them to live. And when their iniquity had come to a full, Genesis 15 talks about, God, listen, I need you to listen here. Genesis 15, God told Abraham he was going to take his descendants down to Egypt for 400 years until the iniquity of the Amorites is complete or full. When their iniquity had come to the full, God used Israel to judge them. With that, we learn that God measures time morally, not by a clock. And God and God alone reserves the right to look at a nation and say, these people are beyond redemption. God waited until their iniquity had come to completion or to the full. God waited 400 years to judge the Canaanites for their wickedness. And even when Joshua was coming into the land of Canaan with his army, God in his mercy saves a believing prostitute named anybody know Rahab. And she said, I heard of your God. And certainly he is the God and God to, uh, to demonstrated his grace by saving this woman. And because of her heart, And because our heart turned to the true and living God, Rahab is in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. God is always gracious. Somebody say amen. And God is always merciful. Somebody say amen. And slow to anger and forgiving. But God can and will determine when there will no longer be repentance God knows when redemption is no longer a possibility. God used Israel as his whooping belt or judgment rod against the Canaanites in verse 25 through 31, simply tells us that they were blessed. Point number seven, praise God for his chastising in verses 26 through 31. Nevertheless, are you looking at verse 26? Nevertheless, they were disobedient, rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to yourself. That's why God sent the prophets, to turn them to God. And they worked great provocations. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven. According to your abundant manifold mercies, you gave them saviors, deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemies. But notice, moreover, verse 22, nevertheless, verse 23, but, verse 28, after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet, When they returned and they cried out to you, you heard from heaven and many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged. Are you looking at verse 29? They shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them, testified against them by your spirit and your prophets. Yet they would not listen. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not utterly consume them, nor did you forsake them. For you are God gracious and merciful. Verse 22 starts off, moreover, and now we come to nevertheless. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against God, and they put away God's word, cast his word behind their backs, and they killed the prophets that were sent to them to testify to them. In verse 27, therefore God delivered them into the hand of their enemies. And then they cried out to God, and God heard them. And according to his abundant mercies, God sent them saviors, deliverers, to save them from their enemies. But in verse 28, after they had rest from being oppressed... They again did evil before God, and again, God allowed them to go into the hand of the enemy, so the enemy has dominion over Israel and persecutes and brutalizes them. And they cry out to God, and God sends them saviors to deliver and to help them, and the cycle continues. This is the exact pattern you see in the book of Judges. Were you with me? I call it Israel sin cycle. It starts off like this. The people are devoted to God. The people delve into sin and become decadent. The people are defeated by their enemies. The people deplore their situation. They are delivered because God sends a savior. The people are again devoted to God. They delve into sin. They become decadent. They're defeated. They deplore. They cry out. God delivers. The people are devoted, delve, decadent, defeated, deplore, deliver. God delivers them. This cycle happens seven times in the book of Judges over and over again. Verse 29 says, not only were they disobedient, but they withdrew their shoulder and hardened their neck. I hope you're getting something out of this. And they would not hear. Now, if you ever had a kid, you got a kid, you got a child, you know what this is like. You grab them and they pull back their shoulder. You know what I'm talking about? You grab them, they go, mm. Now, in my world, That's when they pull themselves up off the ground. So they pull away from me, then they pull themselves up. Like, "Woo! what happened? (laughs) Verse 30 tells us, let's keep it godly. Many years God put up with them. And they wouldn't listen. Nevertheless, God in his mercy didn't burn them up and consume them or forsake them. For you are God, gracious and merciful. Last and final point, praise God for his restoration. In verse 32 through 37, now therefore, our God. Looking at verse 32, say amen. Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the troubles seem small or little before you that has come upon us our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers and all your people. From the days of the kings of Assyria until this day, however, you are just in all that is befallen us. Are you following with me? For you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Underline that. Neither our kings, nor our princes, our priests, nor our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies with which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom, or in the many good things that you gave them, or in the large and the rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn their wicked, turn from their wicked works. Here we are, servants today, And the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruits and its bounty, here we are, servants in it. And it yields much increase to the kings. You have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle and their pleasure. And we are in great distress. Verse 38, and because of all this, we make a sure covenant and we write it. Our leaders, our Levites, our priests, they seal it. Before you shut your Bibles, notice they're no longer talking in the past tense. They, they're, them. Now they're speaking in the present tense. We, us. They have looked back at God's past dealings with the nation of Israel. They brought them to this current place that brought them to this current place back in the land back in a rebuilt city back in the good graces of god after having looked back that inspires them to look forward in verse 33 however you are just in all that is befallen us listen this is a great moment in the life of israel and in anybody's life when they honestly look up into the face of god and they say god you are right god You are just at all that has happened to us. We brought this on ourselves. The moment you say, are you listening? The moment you say, yes, Lord, you are right and I'm wrong. The moment you say, I deserve what I got in this situation. The moment you stop arguing with God and drop the controversy. That's the moment you'll truly be in the place of real repentance. And this is what God has wanted from you from the moment you got saved. Just stop arguing. And in verse 36, the writer says, we are servants today. We are servants in this land. During this time, Israel was not an independent nation. They were considered a providence of the Persian Empire. Therefore, they were paying heavy taxes to Persia. And they're asking God to deliver them once again from the oppression of Persia. And then verse 38, finally, is a climax, I believe, of the entire book. Because of all of this, in verse 38, are you looking at it? Because of all of this, all of what? Because of all of the centuries long of great and mighty and awesome and covenant-keeping, loving work of God, gracious, awesome, long-suffering, slow to anger, patient, righteous God, because of all of this, we're making an agreement, a covenant in writing. In other words, Lord, we're making a covenant, and this time we mean it. This time we're going to sign on the dotted line. And for six hours, they rehearsed the history of Israel, and they praise the Lord. He's a creator. He's the one who called us and chose us. He delivered us and provided for us, and he shows patience and forgiveness, and he gives victory. And he's the one who chastises, and he's the one who restores. Six hours standing and praising and rehearsing their history before God, You know, I believe that when you stay in God's presence for any amount of time, that's exactly what winds up happening. You wind up rehearsing your history. By the end of the day, at the end of the night, when you lay on your pillow, the important thing about anyone's history is, number one, history is his story. It's all about Jesus. Your life as a Christian is about God, who's been working in you from day one. To bring you to the place of blessing and praise and thanksgiving. To bring us to the place where we praise him because. And I really believe the missing jewel in the church is that we praise him because of who he is.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.